Good morning. Uh, my name is Joe Valenti. I'm the youth pastor here. And we are in our seventh week of our study through the book of Titus called We the Church. And we're looking at these instructions that Paul gives to this young pastor on the island of Crete for how he is to lead, encourage, and correct the new believers on this island. And um, I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, sometimes in my house, things don't always go the way that they're supposed to go. And, um, and so I understand, you know, the need for correction, both in the home and in the church. And one of the things that I do when I'm being serious, because I, I, I goof around with my kids a lot. I goof around with my wife a lot. Um, but like when I'm serious, I go, son, look at my face. He's here right now, so he knows what's going down, right? I'll say, Grace, look at, look at my face. And that's how they know, like, I'm serious. And honestly, this morning's text is kind of a, hey, CBC, look at my face kind of moment. So I don't have, like, a, you know, a funny intro or a clever story. We're just going to get right to the text because as I have prayed and studied and thought through this text over the last couple of weeks, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that the ability for CVC to accomplish our mission of inviting people to new life in Christ, both at the Broadview Heights campus and at the New Brunswick campus, will be largely dependent on our collective willingness to repent over and obey this text. Now you say, well, Joe, isn't, isn't the ability for us to see our mission completed as a church in the hands of God? Absolutely. And the way that he accomplishes his mission is through the obedience of his people. And obedience to this text is really really important. This is a look at my face moment. And I encourage you to take it seriously with me. Let's pray. Lord, I would ask that in these next few moments that your Holy Spirit would do in this room what I cannot do. You've given me the opportunity to speak and to preach, proclaim your word, but I do not have the ability within myself to change hearts, nor to apply this text to every unique situation that finds itself both either in this room or online today. And so I ask that you would do the work of conviction of bringing about repentance and obedience that we might invite more and more people to new life in Christ. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hi to everybody online, by the way. I don't mean to forget about you. Love you too. The meat of the book of Titus is divided into three sections. There's an introduction, there's a conclusion, and then the meat of it is divided into three sections. The center is the text that I preached on several weeks ago. Titus talks about church leadership. He starts there. Let's start with church leadership. 
and the qualifications for elders, and then he gives the theological explanation of how church leadership ought to function. The next layer out or the next concentric circle out is how we are to function within the church, everybody else. That the older men are to disciple or bring up, teach the younger, and the older women are to do the same. And then he gives a theological explanation that Pastor Dale taught last week. We're to do this because of the grace of God transforming our hearts and it transforms our community. And then this third circle that we're going to deal with today is perhaps one of the most difficult. Now, how do we interact and live with section we're going to deal with today in chapter 3. So if you don't have your spot in Titus yet, turn there with me. Titus chapter 3. And I just want to note that in each section, in each circle, Paul gives Titus a statement of urgency. In chapter 1 verse 13, he says, Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. 2.15, he says, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. And then today we will see at the end of our text, he says, I want you to insist on these things. So it's like in my language, Paul is saying to Titus, you tell them, look at my face. Right in every chapter, he says this, I'm serious. Don't let anyone in that church disregard what I'm saying. I want you to insist on these things. Titus 3, starting in verse 1. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. So clearly, Paul has taught these things already. This is why he uses the word remind. Remind them of these things. And we are in desperate need of reminding constantly because one of the effects that the fall has on our mind is that we forget. Remind them, we all need reminding, to do what? To be submissive. To whom? Rulers and authorities. To be obedient. To be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one. To avoid quarreling to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. I want to draw your attention to the absolutes that Paul uses here. My wife hates when I use absolutes. When I say you always or you never, you guys know what I'm talking about? Don't say that. Well, sometimes, dear, you happen to be. Right? And I don't like it either. Don't say always, but Paul, listen. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Paul has already addressed how we're to live and function within the body of believers, and now he gives instruction for how we're to live towards the unbelieving world. And the implication is that the way that we act towards the world communicates to them what God is like. It's massively important. 
The political and moral situation in Crete, just so you know, was significantly perverse and wicked. So we're to know this because we don't disregard these commands because our situation in the United States might be unique. It's not. Earlier in Titus, Paul quotes of, uh, one of the Cretan prophets. He says, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, literally predators, and lazy gluttons living off of the spoils of other people. This testimony is true, he says. The ancient Greek historian Polybius says this, with few exceptions, you could find no habits prevailing in private life more steeped in treachery than those in Crete, and no public policy more inequitable. So the government, in their policy and leaders were perverse, crooked, and evil, and this has manifested itself in the lifestyle of the people of Crete. The situation is dire. So regardless of what you think about our situation in America, regardless of what your opinion is about Donald Trump or Joe Biden or policies or the moral state of our country, Paul makes these commands to us in the context of Crete so that we can say, No excuses for disobedience. Now, I want you to also notice that we're not talking, here's what we're not talking about. This is really, really important. I'm not talking about compromising what the Bible says. I'm not talking about compromising biblical morality or compromising that which God says is good and right. See, too many Christians have gone that route. That the way that I show love is to compromise. No, 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 no. This is not the what we're talking about. This is the how. It's not the what to the world. The what remains the same. The gospel, the message of the Bible, the lifestyle and morality that God calls us to, it's the how do we go about it? How do we go about inviting people to new life in Christ? And our human response is, yeah, okay, which, which ones do I have to be obedient and submissive to? Paul doesn't clarify. So the implication is, All of them. Look at the life of Daniel as you read through our Bible reading plan and see how Daniel responds to Nebuchadnezzar. It's extraordinary. No qualifications on what party they belong to, their character or lack thereof, their policies or their procedures. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities to be obedient. So more guidelines were handed down from our governor this week, some of which you may not like or agree with. So the question that we ask all the time in this church, all the time with my students down in student ministry, what does the Bible say? With Pastor Chad and Greg and others that we have to wear masks or that you're separated. What does the Bible say? Be submissive to rulers and authorities. School superintendent, principal. I tell you what, that's one job I do not want. 
because you can't win. And how are you speaking about those people to your children? What's the conversation in your house? Tell you what the Bible says. Be submissive to rulers and authorities. Because all the way down, honestly, there's, there's no limitations. So the guy who's the leader of your HOA that is worried about your leaves, and you're like, I have enough going on in my life without worrying about my leaves. Dude, be submissive to rulers and authorities. Be submissive to rulers and authorities. Be obedient to be ready for every good work. Which ones? All of them. All the good works. Literally, when you, when you start breaking this down, it means be prepared in every single moment to do as much good as you possibly can. Be prepared in every single moment to do as much good as you possibly can. See, here's, here's where we're at in America, I think. Our, in, like, our initial, our gut response is to retaliate or try to prove that we're right. When we see somebody with an opinion that we disagree with or living in immorality, let me, let me tell you why you're wrong. And what this says is the posture of a Christian is, I'm gonna, my gut response, because my heart has been transformed by grace is, I'm gonna dream up ways that I can be good to you to show you what my God is like. I met with a couple after the last service and they said, hey, a guy moved in next door and uh, he's, he, he's a big dude, he's all tatted up, he was cussing. And they were like, we have no idea how to reach this guy. And I was like, hey, I've got, I've got some super ideas about how you might you know, be able to do that. And we kind of wrapped back and forth and I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The way that this guy looks, right? You might think, whoo. What, what's his history look like? Yeah, great. You know what? He, he probably needs Jesus. When things happen in your school district, when things happen at your workplace, in your home, in your church, is your first response like, let me think about, in the midst of all this mess, in the midst of all the stress and pain and struggle that people around me are experiencing, am I going to focus on my own pain and my own opinions and my own struggles, or am I going to move my eyes, lift my eyes outward and say, how can I do as much good to spread the love of Jesus in the world around me? That's, that's what Paul's getting at here. We're so prone to just complain and whine and argue. And he says, no, 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 no. We are doers of good. Because that's what Jesus is like. He doesn't look at the world and go, wow, they are a hot mess. I'm out. He enters into it and he does as much good as literally could possibly be done. To speak evil of no one. The Greek is blasphemeo, which means to speak in a disrespectful way. 
to whom? Zero people. Whoo. No qualifications. Just do not speak in a disrespectful way to anybody. But what if they zip it? Ever see that? Yeah, Pastor Joe, but zip it. No one obeyed this command. What has the world around you thought about Jesus with the words that have come out of your mouth in the political realm? Job stress, layoffs, furloughs, been really hard for a lot of people. And how have your words responded to those situations in relation to your boss or your organization or your coworkers? To avoid quarreling, literally it is to be Peaceable. No qualifications. Towards whom? Everyone. Be a person that is striving to always make peace. It's totally contrary to our flesh. Because our flesh wants to argue. We're so stinking concerned about being right. That being peaceable is just completely ignored. Look at our world, friends. We don't need more people to throw gasoline on the fires of anger. We're to be salt and light, people of peace. Avoid quarreling. (laughs) I've got plenty of opinions. We are in, like, CBC is not like this little small town church. So, like, if I just had Brexford Broadview Heights School District, my job would be a whole lot easier, I think. But it's like Brexville, North Royalton, Revere, Independence, Macedonia, Nordonia, Brooklyn Heights, Garfield Heights, right? All the Parma schools. And it's like digital school, full in school, hybrid school, fake out, back to all digital school. No, wait, let's go back to hybrid, right? And like, so everybody's got their opinions, as do I. But the command is to avoid quarreling to be people of peace. They just get harder. Here's the next one. To be gentle, the Greek, be a case, 
not insisting on your own rights. As an American. Maybe it is. You know what Paul says? I don't care. Brutal regimes of all time. And he still says, followers of Jesus lay down our rights. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Come on now. Philippians 2, we're going to dig into it later, says, He left the comfort of heaven. Perfect courtesy towards all people. Literally, here's what, how the Greek lays out. Demonstrate absolute humility towards every person. What if I disagree with them, Pastor Joe? Demonstrate absolute humility towards every person. What if they are a racist? And we hate racism because God hates racism. Demonstrate absolute humility towards every person or fill in your blank. Whatever comes to your mind, what if they fill in your blank? Whatever you're thinking right now, the answer is the same. Demonstrate absolute humility towards every person. The work through through those commands And I hope that you feel how I have felt over the last month preparing this text. My hope is that you would feel and say with me, oh Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. What would, if you just kind of went back and thought about the conversations, the social media posts, the text messages that you've had over the last couple months, would you find them in obedience to this text? That's the what we're to do, or better explain how we're to do it. How are we to live? And then Paul gives the explanation. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Why, Paul? For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. 
See, here's the reason. Paul here explains the reason why we disobey the commands in verses one and two. Because we forget how bad and evil we really are outside of Christ. Christians have this temptation to think of themselves more highly than they ought. And so then we look down our noses. We look down our noses in moral superiority. We look down our noses as if everyone else is a clown and a fool. And Paul here says, you better get a grip on who you really are. This is who Joe Valeni is outside of Jesus. I want you to go in your mind to the lowest point, wherever it was in your life, the most depraved point in your history. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was at the end of my rope. I met with a guy just recently. I saw him. He counseled me back in those days. Praise the Lord for Frank Scalish and the counseling that he gave me. And I saw him recently. He goes, man, you had one foot out the door and the, and the other foot on a banana peel. And I said, you're darn right I did. Go there in your mind, wherever it is. And what happened? What happened for you to be brought into the family of God? Did you finally figure it out? Did you figure out how to be moral, to be good? Did going to church a whole lot help? Did you read a self-help book? No, no. Here's what happened. Verse 4. But the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. And he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. Did you hear it? Not because of works done by us in righteousness. But according to his mercy. Oh, hallelujah for that moment. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration, opened our eyes to see the truth of our depravity and our need for Jesus. The renewal of the spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our savior, so that being justified by grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That you've been brought into God's family, heirs of his kingdom, not because of your own works, but just because he's merciful? <laughs> Not because we were morally good, not because we had it all together, but because Jesus listened to how he obeys this text as an example for us. He's submissive and obedient to the Father. He's gentle, he gives up his rights, and he demonstrated absolute humility towards every person.
Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you. This is my plea. CVC, have this mind among you. Which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, do you hear it? Did not count equality with God something to be grasped. I'm not going to hold on to my own rights. I'm going to empty myself. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And if I could sum up Titus 3, he says, be like that. We need to be reminded. Come on, we need to be reminded of that. I don't know how many people have ever seen Jesus as wonderful and beautiful because you got the last word on Facebook. I don't know how many unbelievers have experienced the depth of grace and mercy that Jesus has for them because of what you think about masks. How many of people, how many people have thought, you know, I want to know the God that she serves because of the way that you spoke about the superintendent. Rampant everywhere. And here's, we're so prone to look at people who are not following Jesus, knowing full well that their destiny is hell. And we go, well, they deserve it. No, I deserve it. You deserve it. But when the grace of God showed up, he saved you. And so here's the situation. Any situation, any person in your office, in your neighborhood, family member, any situation. Here's what this text is talking about. It's not talking about the what. It's not talking about compromising truth. What it's saying is you, you run into that person, that unbelieving person, whatever the situation may be, and they may be living in horrific, immoral sin. Here's what Titus 3 is talking about. You say... Either your posture, your heart towards them is condemnation. You deserve it. You got what you deserve. You reap what you sow. Or it's, there's so much mercy for you. There's so much mercy for you, friend. Oh, I I want so deeply for you, friend, for you family member, for you neighbor, for soccer mom. Co-worker, 
I want so deeply for you to know the grace and mercy that I have received. Let me tell you about how, how low I was, how depraved I was, how bad I was. I didn't do anything good. I didn't have it together. I was dirty and sick and putrid. I hated God. And then he showed up and he didn't condemn me. He forgave me. And wherever you're at, friend, wherever you're at, neighbor, wherever you're at, family member, the mercy and grace of Jesus is available for you. That's the, that's the, that's the posture, the heart that a Christian is to have. If you're here and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, to be the leader and forgiver of your life. The message for you this morning is there's absolutely nothing too dirty that he can't make clean. In a minute. You don't have to try and be good. You don't have to try and fix yourself up. The mercy and grace of Jesus will meet you right where you're at. And CVC. I will say, I'll echo what Dale said last week. I love you guys. I pray for you all the time. And I have prayed that collectively and individually, we would respond rightly in repentance to this text and obedience. Because I am convinced that our obedience to this text will be one of the primary ways for the next many decades that we invite people to new life in Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Would the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and would everything you do communicate that same message to the world around you. Amen.